the same time, we may have already seen his last game for Bayern. Yes, I think so. I mean, maybe he wants to pitch in the second team. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Are I we just... talking about Bunasar? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> How did you guess? Excellent. I've just joined. I think. I don't know. I look at everyone in the squad and I'm just like, yeah, I'm looking forward to their future. And then all I hear is he's probably played his last game for Bayern. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's really only one guy there. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Super Bayern Podcast. Bayern Munich have bounced back from their 2-2 draw with Borussia Dortmund at the beginning of the month and now find themselves in pretty good form, in large part thanks to some impressive performances from Eric Maxim Chupamoting. Yes, you heard that right. This has reopened the conversation about whether or not Bayern needs to look for a number 9 in the transfer market, but the club would rather focus on tomorrow's Champions League clash against Barcelona for the time being. I'm Benjamin Scott, and I'm here to talk about that with my friends Tim Richards Hello there. and Sebastian Zimmerman. Hi. Yeah, well, since we last talked, Bayern had a, a 2-2 draw against Borussia Dortmund, which really should have been a win for Bayern, and, and they kind of fell apart. But since then, the, the Bavarians have bounced back uh, really in great fashion and picked up a handful of, of good, just really solid wins, both in the Champions League and in the Bundesliga. But the standout performer, well, one of the standout performers, over the past couple weeks, maybe the standout because of how unexpected it's been, has been Eric Maxim Chupo Moting. I mean, he has four goals and two assists in his past three games. And uh, my question, Sebastian, you know, is you, how how has this happened? This this kind of seems like it's come out of nowhere. Do you think this is really indicative of, of his talent? Has he just found a really good vein of form, or does this speak more to how the team uh, is playing right now, and he's just kind of reaping the benefits? I think it's probably a bit of both, to be very honest. I mean, uh, we ha- we didn't only have good things to say about him always, I guess. But I think uh, if the pe- if the question had come up whether we think he's a good backup, I think we would probably all have agreed that, uh, and we I think we did that he's a very good backup for that role and uh, a good guy and. Uh, yeah, I think Nagelsmann ha- uh, has emphasized uh, that he's a very versatile player too, and yeah, I think that that's all that's all correct. I mean, he's, I mean, you would have to go back a bit, I guess, in history, uh, to like find a stretch of form where he has been playing like he has been right now. Uh, but yeah, he he's a good player, and I think he's a actually he's a player who never uh, kind of reached his full potential. Uh, I think we need to keep that in mind. He has always been a very talented guy. Uh, it just didn't seem to really work out majorly at any point for him, really. Uh, he was always someone where you thought he could have been a bigger kind of uh, a kind of bigger player than than he ever was, right? So I think we need to keep that in mind. But yeah, it's of course also true that uh, yeah, he's just profiting a real lot from the situation right now that this is basically a team that's still used to playing 
for a number nine, not only with, but actually for a number nine that's in the middle and doing all those number nine things. And of course, everybody still knows how that works. And I think that's both the beauty, but also uh, kind of the danger right now. Um, because the question really is, do, do we do we want to go back there? Are we ready to settle for that? Uh, or are we not? Do we really want to develop something new? Or is there kind of a middle ground here? Is there a possibility to develop something new, but also keep a number nine in there? Some of the time, most of the time, whatever. I think those are the questions that we need to be answering right now, and specifically Julian Nagelsmann needs to needs to be answering. I guess um, I will always be on the side of uh, not sacrificing uh, the idea of something even better than we had before for short-time success. I think that would be would be very sad. It might still work out pretty fine, but I think it would still be pretty sad. But yeah, for the time being, this is working really well. Uh, but also, I think we also need to keep in mind that the other thing also worked pretty well for a bit. Uh, and this is just a couple of games old by now. And I think we should also not get carried away here. Uh, because this is this kind of also has the kind of surprise effect that we saw with uh, the system we had before. Uh, the 4-2-2-2, basically. The 4-2-2. Um, that, that was also shocking. That was new. And uh, yeah, other teams needed to plan for that and they didn't really have the solutions and now this is kind of also surprising because while it's kind of back to the old system it's nobody kind of expected us to start eric maxim chupomoting that was something nobody saw coming really this this was just not not in the cards really uh everybody thought if we're going to play with uh, with one kind of number nine player it's not going to be him we're going to try something else it's maybe going to be tell maybe we can somebody make somebody else play like that um but that's not what happened and so it was a huge surprise for everyone i think even nagelsmann didn't see this coming i don't think he's he had this in mind when the season started that he thought okay i mean if everything goes wrong i can still plug eric maxim chupomoting in there and then we're all going to be fine we all know that i, I don't think that's that's uh, <laughs> the thought process that had been going on for nagelsmann there at the beginning of the season so i think this is kind of is a similar dynamic to what we had before uh this could work for for a time now or this could work forever well of course not forever but this could work for a long time or it could turn out that this had this worked very well in a couple of games uh, but we should also not rely on that. We're always working, right? So it's also a bit dangerous, I would, I would say. I, th I think it's worth uh, pointing out that though, you know, Chupa Boateng is definitely playing as a nine and, and the system has altered a little bit, we haven't totally gone back to the, the Robert Lewandowski kind of style of play where uh, I think I think you put it very well earlier. You know, Bayern last season didn't play with a nine. They, we played for a nine. Uh, and I, I think that Chupamoting hasn't, well, obviously hasn't reached that level of like importance to the team, and he's not, you know, the only focal point of the attack. I think we're still seeing a lot of, a lot more chances being created from other places, uh, even with us playing with a true 
uh, number nine up there. And he's also not someone who, you know, he, he, he is a pretty big dude, but he's better with the ball at his feet than most strikers. And he would much rather play uh, a technical type of game than a physical type of game. Now, all that being said, he is playing as a number nine. And so that has opened up the conversation. Uh, and so Tim, we're going to kind of explore that a little bit, you know, Bayern were, were pretty straightforward uh, this summer about their intentions not to not to buy uh, a true number nine and to kind of see what happens. And, and we did get Matisse Tell uh, in, but we also, you know, sold out Joshua Xerxes. Uh, and so the, the question has to be asked, you know, do you think that Nagelsmann and Salihamidzic need to maybe reconsider their thoughts on not wanting uh, a number nine in the future? Or do you think that maybe Nagelsmann is on the right track with just kind of testing out the waters of Chupamoteng? So you think maybe he gets more minutes in the system, maybe we start to see Tell uh, used more as an actual number nine. Just what do, you, what do you see coming out of this? I would like to see Bayern go forward having the option. Um, I, I don't think, you know, I, I've said it before that the way that Bayern were playing right at the start of the season within that 4 triple two, I think that was that was so exciting and it would it, it made a really interesting and, and great change to what I had kind of got used to seeing. Um, I, I think that's like the biggest thing getting in a manager like Nagelsmann is being able to let him have the freedom to say, I want to try this and then support that idea. Um, obviously, that doesn't really translate well if Sadio Mane and Serge Gnabry aren't working at their absolute best. But I do like the idea of being able to go into a game not seeing a pure number nine and still kind of thinking, yeah, I think this is going to go well. Um, you know, it's been it's been great. I've been <clears throat> I've I've enjoyed seeing what what Bayern can do without a number nine. But then at the same time, seeing things get not necessarily immediately fixed, but seeing things move a little bit smoother and more logically um, with the presence of that big man in the middle, um, Chupamoteng. It's great. Like I can I can see. I can see positives for for both of them. Um, I think the the whole. I, I was never a big fan of of Xerxes. I think I I liked seeing him kind of go through that transition of. I, th- I think it was like at the start of last season where it didn't. There was that whole thing in preseason where he was just kind of like waiting for the ball to to go in, and then that kind of like cemented the fact that he was going to be leaving. Um, then seeing what he was doing earlier in in this preseason, seeing that kind of determination, he was being more more mobile, more agile, looking to get really involved. I really like that. But any time I saw him play, I never really got the idea that this is a guy that you can count on. Maybe, maybe I've got that wrong. I know that. I know that Sebastian's quite fond of him, and I know that a bunch of my other Bayern supporting friends are also like quite fond of him as well. So maybe I'm just missing something there. But I do really like seeing what Chupamoteng brings. It's it's frustrating that he's like the wrong side of 30 now, because yeah, okay, he's doing it just in the Bundesliga. It's really only in um it's in the games against Inter Milan and Barcelona where you're gonna really want to see what he can do, you know, against like a, a much tougher opponent. I think that's kind of it's really great to see him be able to do that, to offer as you said, the presence of a number nine, but also so much more off of it. I think it's it's really great and kind of does show that Bayern can approach games in a different way than they have done before. 
Um, whether or not it was a good idea to only go into this season with him and potentially Mattis Tell as, as a number nine, because obviously Tell's mainly been playing out wide. You know, I think we can really only answer that at the end of the season. I think it's still, it is still very early days to say, no, we, we really got this wrong. Um, there, is, there are so many reasons to say, look at how everything was going at the start of the season. Why can't we just do that? But then again, in the last few games, you start to think, well, you know, maybe we do need to kind of go back to what we were used to. Um, yeah, I, I think it is maybe a touch too early to say that the that the board were wrong to go into it just with these guys in mind. But at the same time, seeing how Bayern have been playing, knowing what the upside of Tell's future is, knowing just how determined Chupamoteng is, and also just how much of an asset he can be, it's not exactly a bad thing. Um, I, I've got nothing but good things to say about Chupamoteng, and I'm I'm just very, very happy that he's part of the squad. Whether that kind of grows to a like a very long-term, I guess, kind of permanent for this season, potentially one season more, um, if he's if he's going to feature that much, that remains to be seen. Um, but as a whole, I think there's positives and negatives. But I think right now, particularly right now, it is a good thing that we have the squad that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so it sounds like you're both in agreement. And I think, I think I'm right aligned with y'all that it's nice to have the option, but it's not time to totally revert back to the system. And uh, Tim, I'm actually going to come right back to you because um, there have been incessant rumors with Bayern being linked to Harry Kane basically ever since the the winter or sorry the summer transfer window ended. And so, so you being a Brit, I have to come to you there. If there's potential, and I know we'll have plenty of time to talk about him more in the future, but while we're on it, if there's potential that Bayern can sign a striker of Harry Kane's level, which Honestly, outside of Lewandowski, maybe Kane is the, well, and then Erling Haaland, but he's he's not realistic. Kane's the only kind of striker at that level. Do you think if there's potential of bringing someone like him in that we start to say, okay, you know, let's nail down this number nine system? Or do you even think, you know, that just limits the squad too much? I, I like the idea of having, I guess, as like the, the cynic in me really likes the idea of England's poster boy joining you know the farmers league so to speak i think that's fantastic i have a lot of tottenham friends sadly um and i I like the idea that their guy leaves for Bayern. that's that's really just one reason why i think it would be a good idea i i think getting in somebody like harry kane is is a good idea in principle i think getting in harry kane of five years ago I think that's something, that's a decision where people would say, yes, absolutely, you have to do it. Right. He would start next season. Well, I think he'd start next season at 29, but then would become 30, like on preseason. I think he's a late July guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's that's fine and everything. And I realize that things don't work like how they do in FIFA. And, you know, just because you're over 26 doesn't mean that you're past it. I mean, I'm 29. I definitely feel like I am past it. But in terms of like actual athletes, who knows what Harry Kane's career is going to be like next year, next week? No one really knows. But the kind of law of averages suggests that this is a guy that has been struggling with injuries quite a lot. And even though he's objectively, and this pains me to say it, a very good footballer, I do think that Bayern should be potentially exploring this idea 
but with somebody I don't know six years younger maybe like five six years younger I don't know who that is I know I think like the name that most people would um would shout out would be someone like Dusan Vlaovic but I, I don't know I think well, Juventus just got knocked out of the Champions League so there's every chance that he might become more available than he was a few weeks ago. Yeah, I, I like the idea of having somebody like Harry Kane, but I would want that person to be considerably younger. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. If, if it happens, I'm, I'm not going to complain. Um, I will gloat to all, <laughs> all of my Tottenham friends. One guy in particular is going to take it really badly. Well, Sebastian, I want to hear your thoughts on on the Kane and and just maybe some more final thoughts on the striker thing. But then also, um, if you could talk quickly, you know, we did, Byron did make one kind of marquee summer signing in Sadio Mane. And uh, where does he kind of fit in to the team now that Chupa Moting is is playing uh, so well? Because I think Mane over the past month or so really hasn't been that great. He's had maybe one or two uh, good games and the rest have been kind of um, mediocre, but I, I think all of us thought he would be primarily playing up top, and we're seeing him on the left flank. So, what does this kind of research, not even resurgence, because just this surgence from Chupamoting, what does it mean for him? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so, first, uh, I mean, it would be tempting to have another guy, and we could call them Sane, Mane, Kane. Yeah. That'd be fun. I mean, uh, just for, the, for that, for the memes, maybe it would be nice, right? No, I mean, He's just a very, very, very good striker, and there are just not many uh, out there on that level. Uh, I, I think not even probably five like <laughs> strikers of of that quality out there. Maybe about five, I guess. So this is just uh, if you can get such a player, and if he would really want to come to to Bayern, then I guess do you take it? Um, the question is, do you um, basically want to break break the bank? To get a player like that and then the answer becomes maybe probably kind of not uh so yeah if he if it's if it's a significant discount compared to what a holland package or something would have cost maybe it's worth it but if if it's kind of uh nearly as expensive for a guy that's significantly older i guess i would rather pass on that um and yeah it as we uh talked about before it it would be somewhat limiting because if you get that guy, uh, there's no way you're going to bench him uh, at all. There's no way you're going to say, ah, oh, but today we want to play this different kind of thing. And maybe we put Hurricane on the bench. That's, that's just not very likely to happen. Um, and that that's kind of a thing we don't necessarily want to want to go back to. So I'm kind of torn on, on the whole thing. Uh, yeah, I think there may be, maybe kind of uh, other options out there that would not be as huge of an investment. Um, and if they work out, it's maybe the, the more prudent kind of choice there. Uh, as much as this is, as I said, a very, very, very strong player. Uh, yeah, who you, well, where you have kind of only few uh, opportunities to sign a guy like that. So you have to really think about it real hard um if i now uh come to the whole money situation yeah i'm also kind of surprised because i was definitely um i was definitely among among the people who thought that he he would play number nine most of the time for us but we only really saw that very very early in the time 
where it was not quite clear whether he was actually playing number nine because at that point uh that's when we were the most fluid uh, for, uh overall in uh this season basically so it's, it was really hard to pin down who was playing up front then and he who was playing on the wing because there was not no real wing then it was just very very fluent um uh, very fluid and, and then that's kind of uh yeah so a bit tough to say but yeah i definitely i definitely expected uh, him to play more up top and it hasn't really worked out very well i think in in the very early games uh, I, I think most people would have said it looked pretty good or, although uh, he was offside a couple of times and so on and it didn't look uh uh like perfect all the time but the, the we, we really saw good things from him then uh yeah and it's kind of not uh, go, uh continued in a way we would have we would have liked uh and i think with chupamoting it makes it definitely worse for him i think uh, chupamoting there uh, not only takes away the possibility of him basically playing number 9 but also it makes him kind of very isolated uh on the wing then uh, because, as I as I said, I think last time we talked, I have felt that Mane looked the best when he was basically uh, switching between the wing, mostly the left wing, and kind of the number nine spot. I think that's what he did best, uh, and he can only do that with uh, Chupamoting if he's if Chupamoting is also uh, yeah ready to well mix mix it up with the other guys a whole lot. I mean that that could also be a good thing because that's what I would like to see. Uh, if uh, Chupamoting is playing, I would like him to join more in that whole thing uh, where everybody's kind of playing everywhere. I would like to see him do that more. I mean, he has done that more than Lewandowski would have, but not to an extent that I would really enjoy. Um, I would prefer, uh, yeah, if we kind of. Uh, yeah, got these two systems we have been playing a bit closer together if we would kind of uh, yeah find a way to stick more to what we were doing before, but also getting some of the advantages of having a number nine with the stature of a classic number nine, basically. Well, classic, I think, is maybe overstretching it a bit. You could argue that uh, this is even still a pretty, pretty modern number nine. But mm -hmm. anyway, let's not get into the details of that. <laughs> But yeah, I, I would like to, I would like to see more uh, of that from Chupamoting, and that could then help Mane. But mm, I think he's not putting putting all of those things together at this point, and I think it might be easier for him um, with a different guy up top if it's not Mane himself, which I don't think we're going to see. Uh, I don't think that that's what Nagelsmann. Uh, yeah, sees him doing right now. I think he kind of. Uh, well, crossed that out in his notebook, that idea of putting Mane as kind of your number nine there. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a tough situation for him still. But, yeah, we, we need to find a way to make that work we, we, because he's just such a, such a great person. Mm -hmm. uh, he brings so much personality that we want to have uh, kind of in a similar way, actually, to Chupamoting. Kind of a different way, but also I think they are both very important uh people to have in, in that locker room um, who bring a lot to the table there and of course he's just also so good so talented 
Uh, and yeah, we need to make the best of that. And we just have not been doing that so far. I think the bigger question behind all that, of course, is uh, what's going to happen when everybody or most people are ready to go. Because just with Thomas Müller coming back in, mostly that, I guess, because Müller still has been very much a starter for us. And of course, now also uh, Sané. If both of, when both of them are back, that raises just a lot of questions because uh, it becomes significantly harder then right. uh, to defend starting Chupamoting in like 80% of games or something like that. And uh, it's really an interesting question what we actually expect. And I think if we would go around asking Bayern fans and uh, yeah, media people, basically uh, all kinds, uh, I think that we would get a lot of different answers as to uh, what's going what's going to be uh, what's going to be happening with uh, Chupamoting once both of those guys are back. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people would say, "Ha, huh, this is working right now. He's definitely going to be in there." And a lot of people would say, uh, "Obviously, when Müller and Stani are back, this is going to end." Uh, yeah, I, I, I would think I would think it needs to it, uh, it uh, his minutes need to decrease. Then <laughs> you cannot bench right. kind of at least one of those guys for him i think we're going to kind of come back to that conversation in, in a moment when we look at the the Bayern and barcelona game in the champions league uh tomorrow but uh, real quick i do want to shift gears and talk about another of Bayern's summer signings and that's ryan Gravenberg, who has kind of been not, not um overly public but a little public about some complaints doesn't even feel like the right word uh, but I'm I'm going to use it. Some complaints about his his playing time or his lack thereof uh, since joining Bayern Munich. And um, Tim, it, it really hasn't been that big of a deal. I think that uh, it's been maybe blown a little bit out of proportion in as much as it has been uh, discussed. But Ryan Gravenberg, you know, he has publicly made some statements about his playing time. Number one, do you think that he's right to do this, or do you kind of and I think this way i think it's a little bit early for him to be to be making those statements but also do you think that he's right and that he deserves more minutes uh, than he's been getting so far this season i think it's very complicated and uh i i don't think it's a situation that you can explicitly and definitively say yes or no because we don't know what he was promised going into the team i think I I don't like the fact that things I I never like the fact that player grievances are made public, um, whether it was like it was leaked or it was like intentionally done or if it was like by accident, whatever it was. Um, I I really I I've never enjoyed seeing that like oh this person's really unhappy this person's really happy you never get any like really pub like really positive like leaked stories like oh. Just, just between you and me, Lucas Hernandez is really happy at Bayern. I want more of that. I, n- I never like seeing this player is like really unhappy, like internally. It's thought that dot dot dot. Um, I-, I think there's like a couple of things that need to be worked out or like determined before it's said whether or not this is like he's he's right or he's wrong. I think no one knows exactly what it was that he was promised in terms of you will be a starter by, you know, like come December, you're going to be one of our starting midfielders next to Joshua Kimmich, or we want to play you in, in cup games. We want to get you like playing at least like half hour every week or, or whatever it is. I don't think anyone outside of the people that were there 
know what those details are. Um, so that's that's one thing. Um, the other thing is that there seems to be a player like that every season with Bayern, and it goes back to well, last year we had Mark Rocker, and then the year before that we had Mark Rocker again, and and Michael Kiesons, and then. Before that, we had Renato Sanchez, and then like Sebastian Rudy was kind of that guy as well. Like this, this isn't like a, a new thing with Bayern. Um, so then you then maybe have to start thinking like this is just the nature of having a team that is very competitive and joining a squad where you are surrounded by world class players. Because um, obviously, like Gravenberg comes to the team having been. I think he was a starter at Ajax. I, if he wasn't a starter, he would have been involved in the majority of games to some extent. I don't think that you could look at the jump from Ajax to Bayern as a lateral move. I think it is, by most metrics, a step up. And so to to kind of think, oh yeah, so I'll, I'm a starter here. I'll probably be a starter at Bayern as well. That's that's not how that's not how it works. Um, like I admire the ambition and and certainly the aspiration of wanting to do that, um, but sadly that's that's just that's not how it goes. So there's there's that element where I don't think that he's that he's right in terms of complaining about not getting the playing time. There is also the other element where he maybe has a point because there are times where you know games have kind of been wrapped up slightly earlier on. And that's kind of a prime opportunity for players like him and Tell to get those to get those minutes that kind of accrue over a season, and then by the end of it, they're they're ready for the next one to play an even bigger part. So I think it's also really important to remember that this guy isn't twenty four; like he's I think he's only just twenty. I think he's still yeah. very very young, very experienced already, but still very very young, and so he has to have that sense of patience. So. Yeah, it's it's a very complicated thing, but I think there's clearly has to be some form of disconnect in terms of the communication between like Sally Hamidic and Nagelsmann to to him and his agents, and I think his dad is his agent, I believe maybe. Um, so there, there's that you need to establish what what the problem is there, but then also when you do get given those minutes, you need to deliver. Because I remember so distinctly around this sort of time last season where Musiala started the season really, really well and then was benched. And then Nagelsmann was asked, why are you benching Musiala? To which he says, it's not about what he's not doing, but rather what the players ahead of him are. And, you know, from an outsider, you think, oh, he's one of the best players there is. Like, he's this fantastic midfielder. He can do everything. Why isn't he playing? You know, we're not part of those training sessions, so we don't really know what's happening there but I think what happened with Musiala was so important because you can see the difference between what he's like now compared to what he was like this time last year I think having that having somebody as straightforward as Nagelsmann saying they need to improve this and then they can and then they will start playing it's worked wonders with Jamal Musiala it can only work wonders with Gravenberg as well. I think if the if the issue that he's got is that he's like not as defensively secure as uh, as somebody like Savitzer is or, or Goretzka, then that's the opportunity for him when he gets on the pitch to show, look, I will stay here, I will cover this area, and I will control it very, very well. 
think you need to take every moment that you're given, whether it's five minutes, whether it's an entire half, whether it's a full 90, I think you need to show at every opportunity, I am good enough to then warrant a similar amount of time three days from now. I don't think it's a case of, you know, showing up, doing 10 minutes and thinking, yeah, that was good. I'm going to start next week. You have to continually do it. And I think he needs to look, well, not look up to because he is younger than him. I think he needs to look back at what happened with Jamal Musiala to see, okay, this guy clearly worked so hard uh, when he was, you know, put on the bench regularly, when he was like a, a bit player, when he wasn't getting first team minutes. What happened between then and now for him to become one of the most valuable players in the squad? I need to do that. And I think he will, I think he does have the capability of becoming that guy. I think everything that we've seen of him suggests that Gravenberg could become a really, really interesting and very valuable player for Bayern. But he needs to take all of the opportunities that he is given and not demand more. Because fundamentally, Sabitz is doing really well, Goretzka is doing really well, Kimmich is basically undroppable. And if, if hypothetically Musiala then needs to fill in, Gravenberg has to show no, 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 don't do that. I am good enough. Hmm. And he can only do that by showing it in the minutes that he's given. So it's kind of a catch-22. He needs to show that he's got the the ability in the minutes that he's given, but he can really only get those minutes if he showcases it, but he can't do it if he doesn't have them. Um, but yeah, as a whole, not a fan of the whole public thing. Yeah, yeah I would have to uh, agree for sure about the the public. It's It's never fun. And I don't think he was... Uh, he had ill intent with what he said, but it is never fun when, when stuff like that comes comes public. But uh, Sebastian, I, I want to hear your thoughts a little bit on, on the Gravenberg situation. Uh, and then also, mm-hmm. you know, do you think that maybe tomorrow can be one of those games where he gets some of those minutes? Uh, just overall, how do you expect Bayern to line up uh, against Barcelona? Maybe talk about whether you see Chupamoting making, you know, uh, making the starting 11 with Sané out, Muller just returning from injury. So, uh, talk about those things, if if you will. Yeah. Uh, first, I guess I want to emphasize more uh, what you basically said last there, what or what you hinted at. Uh, I think what he has said so far is really tame, uh, all things considered. I think it's has uh, this has stayed kind of very respectful, and I really don't think it's a big deal. It it's not. I think it it's not quite clear. Uh, what the situation there was, uh, but it, it seems like, uh, yeah, he was kind of asked. You like, it seems like he was kind of asked, like, ah, oh, you cannot like the situation, and he was like, yeah, obviously, I don't like this very much. Uh, I would, of course, like to play more, which, which is, I mean, <laughs> what are you going to say? No, no, I would actually rather stay on the right. bench. I mean, I, I think this is even. At this not exactly huge proportion, it's still kind of blown out of proportion, actually, uh, which shows how how small of a deal this actually is, I think. Uh, if he kind of doubles down on that, like, in two weeks, and then again in three weeks, then I think uh, we should get concerned. For now, this is just him stating kind of the obvious, um, because obviously he's going to be annoyed if he's not going, going to be at the World Cup or something. Um, yeah, this, this is just what this is, I think. Um, then I, I would, I would think that, uh, it's not abundantly clear that, that he's 
so much worse than Goretzka in terms of defense, I think. Uh, at least not recently. Oh, I think we have talked about that too. Goretzka and Kimmich has not always worked perfectly as a combination in terms of uh, defensive stability. So that's kind of concerning. And I think it wouldn't take much, at least in my eyes, uh, to make him look better than uh, Goretzka has, like at least in terms of defensive stability. And this is, I think how he could uh, make huge steps in the right direction uh, in this whole conversation if he shows us uh, that he can give give us a, at least a similar defensive stability as uh, Sabitzer has been. Um, honestly, I'm uh, uh, right now, I think Sabitzer and Kimmich is still, uh, for now, our best combination there. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure everybody agrees. Uh, Garrett's not here today, uh, so maybe he would. I mean, maybe I think he's actually come around a bit and has also been a bit more critical of Goretzka at times. But yeah, I think it's debatable. But I, I think Sabitza has been the better choice for defensive stability, and this is uh, how Gravenberg could work his way in there if he shows us that he's also kind of uh, well more level-headed there. That that he's also ready to put in the discipline to put put in the defensive work if he does that i think uh, the sky's the limit for him because his passes are really really good uh he i think he doesn't have to do much to work offensively because that just comes naturally to him mm-hmm. um that's the that's the beauty there i would say and yeah i think uh i mean it depends on how nagelsmann is going to play this and how important uh, he feels it is to properly stomp <laughs> out of out of the Champions League I guess um yeah so if it, it's just a, a there could be different approaches to to this game tomorrow um do you really want to make a point or do you really want to rest your guys because there's really not much to win anymore um do you want to keep the uh, uh keep it going with the wins there do you want to keep the streak alive i guess that's also something you could take into into account there but i think yeah if if you want to mix it up at some uh area of the field i would say having a bit of a mix up uh, having a bit of a mixing up there would maybe be the way to go uh, of course on you can also uh, think about uh, the fullbacks maybe um, there has been something going on there. I think Davies is on a roll right now. Davies has been looking really good. Um, so maybe not exactly start Stanisic, or maybe do so if you really wanna, uh, if you really want to rest some people. I would enjoy seeing Davies, I guess, from a fan perspective. I would be a bit disappointed because it's been looking so good. Um, not not necessarily his hair, so in terms of. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, maybe uh, the the right back position could be a position where you wanna uh, make some changes, or as I said, the double pivot, and and I think this could be what you wanna do there. Uh, this could be an opportunity because up front, I don't know if you really uh, wanna have many changes there because there have been many changes because of people getting injured. So maybe you wanna keep that steady a bit more. So I guess, yeah, that could be the way to go. Uh, if Nagelsmann trusts him enough, if he thinks this could be uh, in terms of his personal kind of growth, in terms of his personal fitness and all that, if he thinks that uh, would, would work, I would definitely be in favor of that. Put one starter in there and then put Gravenberg next to him. 
Why not? I would like that, yeah. You talked about uh, how much Nagelsmann wants to win this game against Barcelona or stomp them out of the Champions League. Obviously, there is a pretty good chance that they're out of the... the um, they're out of the next round of the Champions League before the game is even played. But nevertheless, the the last game between Bayern and Barcelona wasn't totally convincing from Bayern. Uh, and so, Tim, I'm wondering, you know, what are your thoughts on Nagelsmann's approach to the game uh, and, and whether or not he'll make very many shifts to the kind of typical starting 11 that, that we've been seeing recently? I think, as, as Sebastian said, like the fullbacks are going to be quite an interesting thing to look at. Because obviously, like Pavard, I think any time you listen to me talk about Pavard on the podcast, I'm normally quite critical of him, probably for no good reason. But but how he's been playing this season has been really great. So I think I'd be happy to see him start or Masrawi. I think the performance that he put in against Barcelona uh, earlier this season was really, really fantastic. It's probably one of the best. It wasn't necessarily his debut, but in terms of like a prolonged period out on the pitch, it was one of the best that I've seen from like a new guy um, in like a, in a good couple of years. Uh, so I'd be I'd be happy with seeing seeing either of them. I think the central defence. I think Upamecano is doing really well. I imagine it will be Upamecano and Delict. I can't really anticipate um, like Stanisic playing in the middle or or Pavard playing in the middle for that matter. Uh, I think all he needs to do is just do what has been working in the last couple of games. I don't think now's the time to to start experimenting. If, if there's one thing that I'd quite like to see don't think I will, um, but I would be more than happy if Sadio Mane started on the bench. I think, you know, everyone's probably going to be quick to like criticise him because he's come in as like, well, he came in as, quote, the Lewandowski replacement. I don't think he is the Lewandowski replacement, but obviously he's come in, he's got on, he's on very, very high wages and he was the guy uh, this um, this window. So to see him not perform at his best, it's going to be quite easy to criticise that. I don't think he's been necessarily bad. I think he's been fine, but that in itself is not good enough. Mm-hmm. So I would I would much rather see. I don't know. Is is Coman available? I think he is. Yep. Yeah. I think yeah. Uh, yeah, everyone is. except for Sané in attack should be good to go. Okay, well, in in which case, I'd like to see Coman on the left, Gnabry on the right, Musiala in the middle. Um, actually, no, that's not right. I'd like to see Musiala on the left, Muller in the middle, Coman on the right, Eric Matsum Chupomoteng up top, and then in the 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 defensive area like Kimmich and Sabitzer. I think that's probably with Sane out. I'd say that's probably our strongest team at this particular point. Hmm. And obviously Neuer, but that's sure. I, I don't know. I, I'm hoping he's going to be back at some point soon. I think it's good that Bayern have managed to get through. They've managed to qualify um, without without Neuer readily available for these games. But yeah, I, I get it. He's at a period of his life where he can't necessarily rush back, and obviously with the with the World Cup so soon, he wants to take things a little bit more calmly, and that that's fine. I think it's it's good to do th- these things now. But yeah, that's that's like the attack that I'd I'd like to see. And as Sebastian said, Davies at left back because he's always fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Well, well Bayern do play Barcelona tomorrow, and like I said, there's a very good chance that before the game even starts, that 
Uh, Barcelona will be knocked out of the the Champions League, and Bayern will have already qualified. But I still think that no matter what, uh, Nagelsmann and his men are going to be taking this one uh, pretty seriously. But a, a win, uh, I believe, would secure Bayern top spot uh, in the group, which is very important. So they'll, yeah, they'll definitely want to get a result. And uh, this is just one of six games that Bayern have left uh, this calendar year before the World Cup World Cup starts in less than a month, which seems kind of crazy to me. But uh, Make sure you're, you're tuning into those and then uh, tuning in to listen to what we have to say here. But if you've enjoyed listening today or if you're a regular fan of the podcast and you haven't done this already, please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review. We greatly appreciate that. If you want to get in touch with us, there are a few ways you can do that. You can email us at superbyronpod at gmail.com or follow us over on Twitter at superbyronpod and keep up to date with us there. All of our episodes can be found on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're probably going to be there. As always, thank you for listening, go out and tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next time.